If you would, take your Bibles, turn to the book of 2 John with me. The book of 2 John. Now, as I tell my students in 5th and 6th grade Bible class, there are four books with the name John on them. And this is not the Gospel of John. This is not 1 John or 3 John. This is 2 John. If you find the book of Revelation, turn back two books and you'll find the book of 2 John. I found out on Tuesday that I was going to be preaching this morning, and I'll be preaching again this evening. So I looked to find one of the shortest books I could find. <laughs> and we're going to look at the first half of it this morning and the second half of it this evening. And so my mini-series of one day is called Truth and Love, A Study in Second John. But before we dig into God's Word, why don't we pause and ask the Lord's blessings. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word. We ask that you would guide us into truth. May your Holy Spirit illumine your Word to us, even this morning. Convict us, challenge us, encourage us, whatever it is that each of us needs, we ask. We thank you that you are a God who has promised that you would continue your work in our lives until the day that your Son returns, or until the day that you call us home. So we ask that you would continue that work today in each of our lives. We ask it in the name and for the, for the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Second John, and I won't tell you which chapter. We're getting some sound here. Let me move that down a little. Is that better? Still hearing a little feedback coming from it. Second John, beginning in verse 1. And we'll go ahead and read through the entirety of the book. Second John, beginning verse 1. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also... All they that have known the truth. Now I'm wondering, I can't hear myself now. Can you hear me still? Okay. I guess it's a good thing that I can't hear myself. But, all right, verse 2. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us, and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace. From God the Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth. And love. You notice those words, truth and love, that's where our series title comes from. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world, who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves, that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not 
in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you, and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. Truth and love. You know, it is a tendency among people in general, and even among God's people, to emphasize either truth or love, but not to have both. I think our culture really emphasizes love, or their, at least their conception of love. This, our culture thinks that love is just accepting people for who they want to be, for who they desire to be. It's just acceptance. Now, that is not a biblical understanding of love. But how many of you have heard about people identifying as cats? Or as other animals. I think I've, cats has been the one I've heard the most. The first time I heard it, I thought, this is crazy. And it's still, I still think it's crazy. But at the same time, isn't that the natural result of the way our society thinks? When you reject truth itself, then if I want to be a cat, then I can be a cat. And you have to accept that I want to be a cat and that I'm a cat because I say I'm a cat. <laughs> and by the way, I do not say that I'm a cat. <laughs> um, but our society rejects truth. Or at least they say that they reject truth. They reject any truth or any truth claim that seems to collide with their view of love. But we can sometimes have the opposite view, which is that we can have truth without love. We can be right. You are not a cat. And that is, that is true. But we can make those truth statements without love. And the point of 2 John is that you need both. Believers in Jesus Christ need to both hold to the truth, and they need to be those who are characterized by love. Especially in 2 John, it's love for each other, love for other believers. So let's dig in. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6 this morning. And this is the big idea that I want for us to come away with this morning. And that is, we must love those who embrace truth. This is speaking specifically to believers in Jesus Christ. We must love those who embrace truth. Because 
It can be the tendency, especially in our more conservative Baptist churches, to say, if you're different from us, you're wrong. And they might be wrong. But if there's another believer who embraces the truth of God's word, there's a command in scripture, and that is to love them. And let's pause right here and define love biblically. Love is not simply accepting what someone else wants to be. Love is seeking the benefit of another. And sometimes that means when you're seeking someone else's benefit, you're going to have to say some hard things and not accept them for who they say they are. Because what's really to their benefit is that they have truth. So let's look this morning, four reasons in these six verses, four reasons why we ought to love those who embrace truth. We must love them, number one, because we ourselves have experienced the truth. Look at verses one and two with me. The elder, who would be John, unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. Well, let's work through that verse. The elder, referring to the apostle John, unto the elect lady and her children. Now, I don't want to get too deep into this, but some people say that this is written to a local congregation of believers. And the elect lady is that congregation or that church. Her children are the members of that church. That's a very common view on this book. And it might be right. It might be wrong. The Bible doesn't really tell us. If we wanted to go extremely literal, it's written to a chosen lady. And I don't see any problem with taking it that way either. The, the, let, let me back up. The reason that it's legitimate to see this as a local congregation is because the Bible does refer elsewhere to churches in the feminine. Um, I'm thinking of a passage at the end of 1 Peter where in your King James it says the church that is at Babylon, but if you actually look at it, it's uh, in the King James, they use italics to show words that are supplied by the translators that are understood, but maybe not there in the original. And church is in italics, but the word the is not. And it's a, again, I don't want to get too deep into this. But the word the is a feminine article. That's that's about as deep as I'm going to get into that. But the point is, it, you could translate it as she that is at Babylon. You could translate it that way. So there is some warrant. And of course, the Bible refers to the body of Christ as a whole as the bride of Christ. So there's 
there's that argument as well. But I'm not gonna settle on either side of this debate as far as is this uh, individual lady, is this a church? Because I don't think it really changes the truth in this book. John is writing to this elect or chosen lady and her children. And he says, whom I love in the truth. So John loves these people. But notice he says that he loves them in the truth. Now what does that mean? It could just mean, we might use it this way, that I love someone in truth. In other words, I, I truly love them, right? It's a, it's a genuine love. But I think, since we see truth come up multiple times in here, I think he means more than just, I truly love them. I think he means, I love them. I, I love them in association with the truth. I, I love them in the truth. The, the, there's this close connection between loving them and them being in the truth. But, again, this is going to be explained more as John goes through these verses. He says, not I only. I'm not the only one who loves these people, that loves you, who he's writing to, but also all they that have known the truth. So, all who know the truth love these people. And that's interesting. That suggests that maybe we're supposed to love people who are in the truth. If they are walking in the truth, if they've embraced the truth themselves, then we're supposed to love them. If we ourselves have known and experienced the truth that God has given to us, then we should love others who have also experienced that truth. And then he says in verse 2, for the truth's sake, or on account of the truth, which dwelleth in us, present tense, and shall be with us, future tense, forever. We've experienced the truth, and we have the promise, the assurance of experiencing that truth forever. I'm reminded of that song we were just singing I know whom I have believed. I don't know a lot of things, but I know the one I trusted in. And I, I know that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him. I've committed my trust to him. And I know that he will honor his promise. All right. So our first reason we ought to love those who embrace truth, we ought to love them because we ourselves have experienced the truth. Second reason, we must love them. We must love those who embrace the truth because God favors those who embrace both truth and love. And if God extends his favor to someone, it would be wrong of us to say, I'm gonna reject them. I'm going, I'm going to stand against someone if God extends his favor to them. 
Look at verse, two, or verse 3 with me. He says, grace, the idea of grace is favor. Grace be with you, mercy, or that undeserved compassion, and peace from God the Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. John is saying that God, the favor of God the Father and of His Son, Jesus Christ, and His mercy and His peace shall be with you. But again, notice the association, if you will, the, the relationship of that grace and mercy and peace coming to you and its association with you being in truth and love at the end of the verse. God favors those who embrace both truth and love, so we should love them. Let us move on to our third reason. We must love those who embrace truth. We must love them. Notice this, because truth is praiseworthy, yet insufficient without love. It's praiseworthy, yet insufficient without love. Look at verses 4 and 5. Verse 4 sounds very positive. John says, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. That's why I say tr truth is praiseworthy. It is worth rejoicing when people embrace the truth, when people are walking in the truth. They're doing the right thing. But it's insufficient. Look at verse 5 with me. He says, And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. You remember Jesus himself said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Truth is praiseworthy. It's worth rejoicing over. We should have truth. We can't say, well, John is saying how important it is to love people, so we're going to skip the truth part. No, he's saying it's very important. I'm rejoicing that you are walking in the truth. But you also need to love each other. You need to love each other. Truth is praiseworthy, yet insufficient without love. And then we come to our fourth and final reason why we must love those who embrace the truth. And for those of you who haven't heard me preach before, you shouldn't be surprised if, we're get, if we get out early. <laughs> but I will say something that Pastor Snow told me that was a real encouragement to me. He said, and he was quoting someone else, Bob Jones Jr., or... It is Bob Jones Jr., Bob Jones III. And what he said is, a preacher should preach one minute for every year of his life. <laughs> so, so if Pastor Snow preaches twice as long a message as I do, it's okay. So, number four, we must love those who embrace the truth because love is obedience to God's commands. Look with me at verse 6. And this is love, that we walk 
after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. So he gives us a definition. He says, this is love. What is love? That we walk after his commandments. Now that sounds very similar to something that Jesus said, which is, if you love me, keep my commandments. But in that context, Jesus is saying, love for me means that you're going to obey me. But here, what is the love we're talking about? It's not love for God primarily. It's love for each other. And he says, and this is love, that we walk after his commandments. In other words, if you love other believers, you're not only loving them, but you are walking in obedience to what God has commanded. And, and really, it comes down to the difference between the teachings, the truth, we might say, of Scripture, and the commands or the practices of Scripture. And you can't have one without the other. Just like we say you can't have truth without love, you can't have the teachings of Scripture without the practice of Scripture. And a lot of people like to avoid the teachings. And we will see this evening the importance of right teaching, right doctrine. But John's focus in these first six verses is, you've got the teaching down. Do you have the practice down? Do you have the loving down? And I think of the one another commands in Scripture. Love one another. Comfort one another. Exhort one another. Those are the practical ways of loving each other. So, John's encouragement is, look out for your brothers and sisters. Encourage them. Love them. Because a Christian's life is not an island. The Bible really has no conception of a Christian doing their own thing. That's, the Bible has no conception of that. If you are a follower of Christ, then you are a part of a body, a group of people who are edifying each other, building each other up in their relationship with the Lord, encouraging each other, rejoicing together, weeping together. That is the beauty of the church of Jesus Christ. So these have been four reasons from John... Second John, why we ought to love those who embrace the truth. And like I said, this evening we're going to focus on the, the, the last half of the book, verses 7 through 13, especially verses 7 through 11. And we're going to focus on the need to have the teaching right. You can't only have love, because if you just love on people and you don't have the teaching right, well, what John ultimately says in verse 11, you extend that love, the hospitality, to someone who teaches some other truth, 
he says that you become partaker of their evil deeds. You become a part of that wrong teaching if you don't embrace truth. So, the challenge this morning is simple, but it's not always easy. That is, we must love those who embrace the truth.